Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's evangelist Jonathan. Let's say, welcome everybody that's listening. This is Christine Christine B. from Massachusetts, who, uh, if you listen, we've been on here with Doug before. Doug is in, there he is. Maybe I'll let him in, introduce Christine to everybody. You there, Doug? Yes. Doug, I, before we get started, I want to I congratulate you on having the most poorly decorated office of anyone I've ever seen, which is something for construction workers. <laughs> I'll have you come in and decorate my uh, office. That'd be great. I've, I've, never seen a cur- I've never seen a curtain with a nine thread count before. <laughs> um, all right. So inter- introduce Christine to everybody. <clears throat> um, so Christine. Christine has a plethora of um, financial, what would you call it? Like, I know they're called like Series 64, Series 65, but basically every license you could think of for financial advisement, advisement right? Is that the way to yes. put it? Yep. So, uh, you know, another way just to the certified financial planner. She actually uh. knows what she's talking about. Okay, well then, since she is a certified financial planner, then we will do the actual disclaimer. Yes. Everything you're going to hear today is not financial advice and not to be construed as financial advice. It is merely entertainment. We're we're using the stock market and crypto as the butt of our jokes. Correct. Because she actually has something to lose. Whereas me and Doug, we've lost everything. We just sit in a Pile sure. on filth every day, contemplating where we went wrong. Um, all right, so let's, now that you, now that I know that, that makes me very interested to speak to you because you know more than just about crypto. Let's say, let's say I have five thousand dollars that I just deposited into my Robinhood app, and uh, I, I'm very happy to take big risks. I, I don't care if I lose the whole five thousand. I'm interested in, in doing what a lot of people that invest in XRP or Bitcoin or Bitcoin Cash are doing, which is you want to like get a 4X return or a 10X return. What what would be, what has the highest upside um, in your opinion right now? I think you really want to focus on companies that lagged in the recovery last year. So you want to be looking at, you know, some of your smaller, your company, your small companies, your, aerospace, your commercial airlines, your cruise lines. Um, I think a lot of those areas have have the potential to take off this year and into next year. Okay, so cruise lines, I was wondering about that because I, I, you know, I thought the pandemic was going to end a lot sooner than what it did. I thought it was going to end like by fall of last year. So I, I had been looking at Royal Caribbean and, and Nor- you know, all those companies they're up like their stocks cost more now than they did last year at this time but you still feel like they're way undervalued yes because i think that they took a hit a a drastic hit early march april and kind of when everything was starting to recover starting april they they still got beat up um so I, i do think there's some potential there especially with the average american sitting on more cash than they ever have and are ready to spend yeah, that's a good point. 
Tell me about that. The average American is sitting on more cash right now for the, than ever for what reason? The national savings rate last year was the highest it's ever been. Wow. At, at over wow. like 20%. I did not know that. Um, by the way, I have no, I don't know anything about this, as you probably ascertained by now. So my questions are not like trying to lead you into a response, but just from an outside observer, it's, it would be hard for me uh, not to believe that the economy is going to boom this summer with, you know, half, half, of course you got the one half of the pipes like Doug that, you know, was happy to like act like COVID didn't exist for the, for the entire time. But then you have half the population <laughs> that was scared to death and, and never left their house or wouldn't see their grandparents or anything. And now everybody's been given the green light to travel, that it's safe to do everything. Do you feel like that's going to lead to a noticeable boom in the economy or no? Yes, I do. I do. I think that's going to continue the growth in the overall stock market and will also provide the steam for all of the negative Nellies out there that think, you know, inflation's going to ruin the economy. Biden's going to ruin the economy. The Fed's going to ruin the economy. I, I think they're under... They're, they're shortchanging the American consumer that is a huge driver in the, the GDC of the economy. Okay, before I ask the next question, if you're listening, the thing that makes the stereo app great rather than us just pre-recording a podcast and releasing it is that you can ask us questions. So I'd love to know where you're listening from and then any questions you have for Christine or Doug. And uh, mostly Christine because you, you get to talk yeah. to Doug all the time. Christine's a special guest. So, um, okay, so you mentioned the cruise lines there. I don't know if that's a whole sector, but you mentioned cruise lines. What, what else do you, do you feel got overly punished during COVID that's look, that looks like it could rebound now? Your financials, so your, you know, your value stocks, um, those got heavily beat up. The, the, major, the major player of our recovery last year was the NASDAQ, your technology stocks. Yeah. Companies figured out how to make business, how to make it cheaper, be more productive. So the NASDAQ was up almost, almost 50% last year, followed by your large U.S. companies at 20%. So anything that wasn't in there, in my opinion, are the ones that got, you know, beat up more so than necessary. So, for example, um, um, you know, some of your, um, you know, I don't like Bank of America, but some of your, you know, your, your financial um, institutions, um, well, some of the in industrials. Why did they get beat up? Because part of it was with with interest rates as low as they've been, the spreads on banks now on the on loans that they have, they're not making as much money as they were at one time. So even though they're not paying you to keep your money in the bank, they're also their cash flow is not as good because everybody refinanced last year and have hundreds of thousands of dollars at three percent instead of five. Okay. So their leverage has just been shrunk um, with interest rates potentially rising. I think you're going to see banks be able to do a little bit more. Um, I think some of your utilities that got beat up, that tends to rebound some of your industrials, you know, your general dynamics, um, those types of companies, Cummings, 
you know, those should turn around. Okay. Let me, let me ask you this, unless I misread your voice, you're not one of the people who thinks Biden is going to, you know, hyperinflate the dollar and we're going to turn into Venezuela. Tell me, uh, like, if you're addressing somebody who does think that they're like, a, you know, the dollar is going to collapse, and, uh, hyperinflation, why, why are they wrong? I believe they're wrong because, number one, the consumer is, is still just going to spend money and the government's going to continue to spend money. So that's going to keep the dollar somewhat stable because they, they're not going to shoot themselves in the foot. And he's got a year and a half because come midterms, if he doesn't get anything passed now, I think it's going to be hard to get things passed in midterms because I see a shift. I don't think the Dems are going to own Washington um, come November of 2022. And I know we're not doing political analysis, but tell me from a financial standpoint, which does bleed into politics, why do you, which I agree with you. Why do you feel like the Democrats are going to are going to get a beating in the midterms? Because I think that the hysteria of the 2020 election with Trump is going to be over. So you're not going to have the pure hatred potentially that that election drew out. Um, so I think you're going to have more of a true and real election, you know, not to get conspiracy theory, but I, I, I don't know if everyone in there right now actually won. Um, right. So I think you're going to have a little bit more scrutiny on some things. Less people come out to vote in midterms. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. And you, and you have to be careful talking like that, because as you probably know, Doug was a public advocate for the Elizabeth Warren campaign. So he, he gets like emotional. All right. We got our first question. Here's very, very true. Hi, this question. Uh, this is Crystal from Texas. And my question is actually from Christine. Um because I am actually a single parent, and while I am willing to take risk, I think it would be advantageous for me to maybe diversify or balance my portfolio. What would you recommend so that I can have um, maybe a risk portfolio and then, or can you do like a risk portfolio and then a more conservative one? Like, how does that work? Thanks. Great, great, great question. Go ahead, Christine. Yeah, good very good question. So, you know, whenever you want to invest, you, you, you have to have two different mindsets, right? One mindset is it's for the long term and you can handle the risk. So that's going to be your more aggressive portfolio. I, I am the believer that you want to own good, solid companies. If you own good, solid companies, they're going to be here for the long run. They're going to make profits for you. And then if you want to have more of a conservative piece as well, you know, then you're looking for good quality dividend paying companies, um, companies that pay you to be an owner of them. You know, your AT&Ts, a lot of utility stocks pay, pay good dividends and find a portfolio. Don't try to do do it by yourself with just individual stocks. You can get mutual funds and different types of things to diversify you. Great answer. Anything to add, Mr. Dutt? Um. Well, I have a question going back to the, uh, the, um, basically the dollar, the dollar strength and inflation. Like if, if, you know, I don't believe we're going to hit hyperinflation. <clears throat> I, I don't, I don't rule it out. Cause I, I think people get cockier in in the economy than, than it actually is. But I don't personally think that hyperinflation is going to happen, but if hyperinflation doesn't happen, then the the market will correct. 
at some point because the dollar strength, everything's pegged to the dollar, right? Am I right in saying that? Yeah, most things are pegged to the dollar, but you have to remember too that the market is an emotional driver. So yes, right. there's fundamentals that control the market, <clears throat> but ultimately it's what the average investor thinks. And then really what your big institutional investors think, because that's but, really but, what's controlling the market. Right. But like if the, if the, if the dollar, either the, the dollar is getting cheaper and um, the, the price of everything in the stock market, including crypto is going to go up because there's more money in, in fluctuation. People are getting, they're, they're afraid of staying in the dollar. So they, they buy equity to kind of hedge against that inflation, which now is probably, in my opinion, the time to start looking to exit. I'm not saying right now, cause I haven't, I haven't taken any investments out cause I'm still waiting. But, but if the dollar, if, if opinion changes, and they, they have more trust in the dollar at one point and less faith in the, the stock market, they're gonna start pulling their money out of the stock market or their value out of the stock money and putting it into the dollar. So that would at least cause a correction, but, but a potential like 2008 situation. And no, I, I don't know if- I No, I don't think you'll see an 08. 08 had way too many fundamental problems in the market. Uh, there's not fundamental problems with um, mortgage-backed securities and shady loans and things like that. Um, you might see a correction, but a correction's not a bad thing. That's a healthy market. No, I think that's good, and I, yeah. I would like to see that. Uh, plus, it also allows for opportunity too. But correct. Um, um, yeah. So okay, that that's interesting. Thank you. Yeah. I Here's think you room. might see money okay. go into commodities. Sorry, Jonathan. I think you might see money go into commodities if, if Doug, if you think that okay. line of thought goes through. Yes, Rebecca. Interesting. What's your thoughts on the Dogecoin? <laughs> what? I honestly have no thought there. Doug, you can take that one. I am not a crypto crypto gal. What what's the uh what was the question? Your thought uh, on Dogecoin. Yeah. Oh yeah, a big fat no. <laughs> I mean, you can do it, but it's not what I'm putting my money in. I don't. Okay. I don't put my money in jokes unless it's the stock market, and I'm buying a bunch of options on meme stocks, like a smart human being. <laughs> Christine, let me ask you. I I started investing in ETFs basically out of laziness. Like for example, I like the. Um, I like the Reddit, uh, Wall mm -hmm. Street bet stuff, but I don't have time to scour the internet all day and see see which stock starts trending and make sure I get up on it. So you got Dave Portnoy's one uh, buzz that he did that monitors that, and then uh, you know I like the technology sector and Kathy, uh, what's her name? Kathy White or no Kathy Wood? She does that one with Arc. What are your general thoughts on ETFs? And then if you are in favor of them. What are some good ones to look into? Yeah, I do like ETFs as an alternative to a mutual fund because they trade at an actual time and price. So you can get in and out for a specific quota if you're looking you know, to make a profit or get in at a certain dollar. Um, the ETF is good for diversification or to just get exposure to a certain sector. Um, 
you know, small cap would be, I think it's WWW or it's VVV. Um, you know, those are, those are ways to just, just have exposure without, like you said, having to, to figure out and have the time to do individual research that goes into a fund. Plus, you know, you, you tend to be a little bit more in tune with it because you know what you own. Whereas in a mutual fund, I, I think the average investor kind of just doesn't think about it because it's it means nothing. Right. Here's another question. So I am just wondering your uh, take on uh, meme stocks as an advisor. Um, are you more long term? Are you uh, risk averse um, in your recommendations to your clients? So um, I understand the trader community's thought process on these, like more uh, short-term investments, kind of get in and out, mostly using the options and things of that nature. But as far as um, the advisor community and your stance, what, what would that be? Go for it, Christine. So I am a long-term investor. <clears throat> um, I understand that there are different markets and different cycles where if you time it right, you're going to get a great return. Memes being one of them. I mean, GameStop got so much attention. But you have to remember and look at the long-term type strategy you're doing. 97% of your return comes from your fundamental allocation. That means 3% of your return is going to come from timing the market, which is impossible. You know, you might get lucky one time here or there. Um you know, I think with with the hot topic or whatever the buzz is at the current cycle, if you're willing to to roll it a little bit and it's okay if you lose it all, that's fine because you can make a few bucks. But if you're not putting, and no disrespect to anybody, but if you're not putting thousands of dollars in, you know, a 50% return on 100 bucks is, you know, it is what it is. Not life-changing. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't um, know. Fifty bucks, I, man. I can do a lot. Of not, that. not that not that I'm qualified to give advice, but I I would say as far as the meme stuff goes, because I've done it both ways. I tried to get in <clears> on <throat> AMC, and then the timing on that is insane. Whereas, uh, what I would do with meme stocks is do what Christine's saying: pick solid long-term stocks. And what's going to happen is, eventually, you're going to with some of them you're going to get lucky. Like I bought a technology stock that I like the company. And then they got picked up by uh, Wall Street Bets, which I you know, obviously had no clue they were going to do. And it, the value of the stock went up. But then unlike those other ones that, that you were just trying to get in on that aren't necessarily great companies, when Wall Street Bets was done with them, which you have to remember, that happens. it's not like Wall Street Bets likes a stock and, and it becomes a meme stock and they stick with it for five years. They're all on it for a week or 10 days and then, then they all dump out of it. And if you're holding some garbage company, you're screwed. So if you pick good companies, then, then you know, every once in a while, you're going to get lucky. It's going to get memed and, and it'll pop up 60% a week or whatever. But then when it finishes, you're still holding a fundamentally good company. Yep. Um, I have a question. Go ahead. Uh, Christine, so yes. what are what are like the main things, like just basic things that you'll look at for like a value company? like in their financials or do you look at that kind of stuff or you just kind of know like based on like whether or not everybody's wearing Nike shoes or something? Yeah, good question. So I do more of a portfolio structured um, investment strategy. 
So I'll isolate, you know, I want 50% of the portfolio in good quality, large cap type companies. And then maybe yeah. we'll put 20% in small and 10% in international. Um, I do, you know, every now and then I'll, I'll play with some individual stocks and I do look at the, you know, the targets and the forecasts and where they've been. Um, the 52 yeah. week average is really, I think, a, a good indicator in normal markets. I don't know if it's accurate right now. Um, just Which one what was that? happened last year. The 52 week average, I'm not sure if that's oh, accurate yeah. right now um, okay. as a good forecasting tool, but you know, just to, how much news is going on with the company too. Yeah. Okay. Christine, Christine, let me give you two questions uh, that are different than each other. So I'll, I'll give you the first one first, and then I'll go in a different direction. I know the demographics of the people that watch our or listen to our podcast. So there's a lot of like our first question on Crystal, where it's a mother who's either single or she's married to somebody like me or Doug, where it's basically like being a single mother. And they're trying to get serious <laughs> about um, their money. Yep. And like she said, so like, what are some things that morons do with their money? And then what's some things that if you're starting with a low amount, you know, not really the amount, but like just some philosophical things that you can start doing that will, you know, if you're 28, will make yep. your life drastically different by the time you're 38. Yeah. Great question. So the biggest thing that you can do is to start now. The power of time and the power of compounding, regardless of what you actually own, is huge. So if you think about how much you spend on coffee, on just junk, if you take $50 a month and deposit it into a solid mutual fund, that's United States stocks, large companies, and you can do that consistently and let it automatically happen, that will make a dent. Every time you get a raise, give yourself a raise. You know, so if you're working with your, your companies and they're offering you retirement plans, put 1% of your paycheck in there. Next year, try to make it 2%. And just those little incremental changes can make a huge difference down the road, especially for those of you that are trying to do it on your own. That's good advice. That's good advice. The second question I was going to ask you was, I started investing in um, April of last year, which made me feel like I was a genius investor. But then I realized the market was at like a, a you know a major low and basically a monkey thrown darts at, at a stock board and, and, and made 20%. So now that the market has like normalized or, or I don't know what term. Yep. Use because I don't know it's ever normal or stable, but it's like. Let's put it this way. You actually have to be intelligent to make money now. So there's a change <laughs> in the market. What, what What's like, um, you, obviously I'm not trying to get you to recommend individual stocks, but you, you did cruise lines. What's some things that weren't like popular stocks in 2020 during COVID that now there's like a shift to that? Um, so you're starting to see a little bit more go over to the international markets. Um, that that sector of the global economy has done relatively well this year. And if taxes do increase, like they most likely will next year, you know, we're especially on the corporate level, uh, we'll be just pushing money overseas. So I think you can make a few bucks in your, you know, um, developed uh, international markets. 
like what what in like india was coming up for a while is that a bad one or or is it like china and russia and all that kind of stuff or europe yeah when you talk international you're better off looking at a globalized fund uh, because it's harder to pick individual stocks on the international level because they don't have the same regulations that we do Right. So, it, I mean, it happened with COVID in China. We had no clue what the actual numbers were because they don't have to tell you. Um, okay. So same thing with financials. You, you're better off with like, you know, Oppenheimer is a good company for international. Um, Vanguard actually has some good international holdings. Uh, that's really where I would look. And it is going to okay. be encompassed on all of those. Okay. Okay. We've, we've, covered, stocks. we've covered stocks and sectors you feel good about. What's some some sectors or stocks that you you feel horrible in your stomach about? Um, I know the clean energy space is getting a lot of talk right now. Um, I just that one gives me hesitation. If you don't realize the potential roller coaster ride you could be in, yes, I think you could make a, a, some good bucks, um, but. We have not seen, I, I think those ones are driven more by administration and we right. really have not seen anyone get over the hump to make it happen. You know, environmentally sound, they call it ESG is getting a lot of talk these days. Um, but you know, when you're investing in the market, your goal is to make money. So right. I, I get the moral side of things, um, but I would just, I would be a little cautious there. Good advice. Here's a, uh another question okay so um two quick questions one can you talk to us about pump and dumps and what those mean to the average investor and then number two what's your process for uh valuating a stock like do you look at the fundamentals if so what precisely do you look at um p ratios things of that nature like how do you value if you're looking at large caps if you want to discriminate between this large cap and that large crap how the large crap, large cap, <laughs> Freudian slip. Um, how do you determine which is crap and which is a large cap in which you'd like to invest? Go ahead. So for the, the pump and dump, if you will, that's basically, you know, buying something cheap and getting out of it at a certain time. Um, that's where timing the market, in my opinion, is almost impossible. But if you want to look at a computer all day long and track pennies, go for it. Um you're better off just setting limits. You know, you can, on all kinds of platforms, you can say, I want to buy at this price and I want to sell at this price. And then you kind of set it and forget it and, and see what happens. Um, in terms of evaluating stocks, you know, there there are all different kinds of fundamentals you can look at. Um, I do look at the, the PE ratio, which is price per earnings. So that's basically saying how much profit is this company making because you want to buy profitable companies. Um, the problem with some of those those numbers, though, is it's based on current interest rates and current um, economic factors, which sometimes are held artificially low. And really, if the if we let the markets do what they were supposed to do, i.e. remove the Fed, remove politics, um, you might be seeing different numbers. So I really when I'm going to buy an individual stock, I mean, if you think about it, there's not too many stocks that are over $300. Um, so I try to buy stocks that are, you know, in the $20 range that are a good company. Maybe it's spun off or um, is it has a good 
five to 10 year history that maybe is just going to start taking off. Um, but, but I, I, I like portfolios better personally. I like that advice. Cause I feel like that. I feel like when I see a stock that's highly recommended, that's $400 a share. I feel like I kind of am like 10 years too late. And, I, and then the, the opposite, if, if you see one that's like up and coming, you know, there's a higher ceiling. I think this one will be for Doug. This is Canada. It's a crypto question. Guys, what are your thoughts on Canada? It's the cleanest crypto in the world. Probably not, but I don't know anything. <laughs> do you know anything about, do you, do you know anything about Canada? Doug? No, no. is that even a real thing? That's I don't know. Funny though, man. I like that question. I just don't know anything about it. Here's Kimberly. Hey, um, this is transgendered Kim here again. Um, anyway, uh, do you think the market, the stock market is 30 per to 40% overbought right now? Christine? No, I do not. Because of your uh, artificially low interest rates. I think corporate, uh, corporate profit sheets and cash flow balance sheets, I still think there's a lot of growth there. And you got to remember, too, that the that I talked about before, the consumer is a huge player. And just think of some of our states that have been closed forever, just the euphoria that people are feeling that they see somebody's face again. That's going to trickle into the market. Because it, it's emotionally driven and, and people Correct. feel high right now. Correct. Well, okay. Yeah, let but, me tell you something. I, ju I, I just took 15 people out to a steakhouse last night, which I've never done in my life, just because I feel like whatever people feel like when they're on drugs is how, how I felt the last three weeks, because it feels great. You you know, it's just that like heavy feeling is out of the atmosphere and, and you feel like going out and having fun. Yep. John, you do get me. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you feel like that because you were actually on drugs. <laughs> um, well, one more question. Let me see who we got. Crystal again. Okay. So then with getting started, is it mm -hmm. better to sign up with like um, like a TD Ameritrade, Charles Schwab kind of situation where I'm kind of funding it my on my own? Or is it better to use like one of the apps like a Robinhood or like how – I guess how or what is the best way to get in and monitor my funds or should I just be using a, a financial advisor? Uh, that's a great question. Okay, so not that her question needs restated because it was well stated, but for everybody listening to get involved in investing practically, uh, you you do find you help with uh, with investors. So for some for some techie that says like ah oh, that's actually an outdated profession you can just get an app and invest what do you recommend someone to do so the first thing that i would tell anybody who's sitting across my desk is that if you work for an employer and they offer a company retirement plan sign up that is the easiest way to put money away it doesn't hit your bank account for you to go spend it first um, and that's going to give you a, access to just basic investing. If you don't have that option, then I think it's okay to use some of the platforms that are out there. Um, it's a cheap way to invest. The, the advantage of using someone like myself, like if you, if you actually use a professional, is that my biggest thing is I become a therapist to my clients because it's not my money. So I can talk to you rationally 
about what's going on for our long-term goals instead of the emotional tie that you see when you see your account drop by a couple hundred bucks and panic. Um, so, you know, I think it's really dependent on your personality and, and what right. you can emotionally handle. Absolutely, you can do it by yourself. Nothing that I do is rocket science at all. Um, but it's more of can you emotionally remove yourself from your money on on bad days? On good days, obviously, we can handle it. But it's on bad days. Christine, in March and April, what percentage of your workday was spent um, being a therapist? A hundred. <laughs> I had a feeling. Yeah, that, that, that must end up being more of the job than, uh, than the actual investing is people just yeah, freaking out, right? Yeah, but, you know, it's either the freak out or the ones that call you and say, hey, should I increase my 401k contribution? Absolutely. And then you're proud <laughs> of yourself because those ones actually get it. Buy low. Yeah. It's true. You have to fight every instinct you have when you invest because then the other thing, which this, I guess, isn't really a question as much as me sounding off. Like, for, for example, not to badmouth any investment source, but I subscribed when I started investing to Investors Business Daily. So they give the stock of the day at 3.40 p.m. And I just wonder what I'm paying for because who couldn't tell? It's, it's like picking the best baseball team uh, after the World Series is over. So where, why, why is that in the investment world, Christine, that like almost nobody predicts or forecasts? It's like all after the fact, like why this stock just went up 17%, which it, it's not difficult to figure out. Why is it so hard? Is it because they make it, do they make it hard on people like you to forecast or predict like, like you'll lose your license or what? No, I think the, the thing that makes it hard to forecast is the, the emotional side of the stock market. The stock market is not a rational XYZ You're algorithm. Right. It, it no, is not. driven by humans. And then in more recent decades, computers. I mean, we've seen little crashes, little daily crashes, because an algorithm on a computer, yeah, instead of a penny, it was a thousand. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's really what has made forecasting, you know, in the short term, difficult. Yeah. I, I right. And now, everybody. You, now, now you factor in the Wall Street bet stuff that they just decide to pump a stock for no reason. Right. That, that, that must make it almost well, impossible. But but the, the, the GameStop did actually it did make sense when when you looked at the reason why that happened. Like they were over leveraged on their short yep. positions. And and in the company, GameStop at a dollar ninety was sitting on like tons of cash like the ceo is actually running it really well and and the, the the i forget what what company it was that was shorting it but they were like putting out ads and stuff like that to make it look like the company was tanking so they could just keep shorting it so yep. it was like a it was a bad situation for them they just got too cocky right um, and some and some like nerd saw it saw what was happening um and, and was able to pick up on it um, before everybody else did and then just started pumping right. it on. So there, there were reasons why that took off. Like it wasn't just like, hey, I mean, he got a good following and then it went way higher than it probably was supposed to go. But um, yeah, so I, that, that's, uh, I, I like all the information you gave though. 
that's pretty good. Here, here's Sean. Hey, Christine, this is Sean from Texas. Question about retirement. Roth versus traditional. Give us, can you give us a breakdown and what you recommend? So neither is better or worse than the other. It's just how you're going to pay taxes today versus how you're going to pay taxes tomorrow. Um, traditional, you get the deduction today. So if you're someone who's in a high tax bracket, you might want that deduction. Um, when you take it out at retirement age, it's taxed at your current tax tax rate. Roth is after-tax dollars. So, you know, you pay the taxes on it. Um, the money, once it's taken out in retirement, is 100% tax-free. I personally am a believer that taxes are only going to go up. Um, we continue to see administrations just spend money like it doesn't matter. And someone's going to eventually have to pay for it. The Lord tarries, right? So I think it's smart to do Roth. I do, I do a lot of Roth 401k personally. Interesting. That's excellent. Well, Christine, I know unlike me, you have actual responsibility. So I appreciate you coming on for an hour. Yeah, and it's no going to help a lot of a lot of people. You don't have your own podcast, correct? Or do you? No, I do not. All right. I was just going to have you promote it if you did. But, we'll, you know, if you're willing, we'll have you back on. You don't have to commit live on air. But it was great. I learned a lot. I really yeah. appreciated it. And uh, thank you for coming on. I know I know you helped a lot of people. So that was Christine, great. everybody. She'll be back. She'll be back on and uh, Doug as well. Thanks, Christine. Have a great day. You too. Bye. See you guys. Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast. Or if you're listening to my wife's, thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.